This series is Theology 101. Welcome to class. I never get the reaction I want. Like, whoa! Here's the thing. We study what matters to us. There's some of you in here who play fantasy football, and you can quote those football stats, whatever they are. And you'd be like, oh yeah, I picked, you know, Joe Joerson because he gets all the touchdowns and runs all the yards and all those things. And you could, if it matters to you, or maybe you're just a Steelers fan, so you know everything about the Steelers, you know all the players, what number they are, and how they do things about stuff. Maybe you're a nerd and you like to play certain games and you have all the rules to those games memorized. So you can just go step up and play. Or you're a video gamer and you, you, you really you master that game or that card game or whatever it is. The things that we really matter, we learn about. We study them. We absorb them. And then when somebody says the bad word theology or Bible study, we're like, I don't know if I have time for that. I want to show you that we're going to go through a couple of things this month. Theology is actually very practical. There's some big ideas, but those big ideas have a purpose to teach us about who God is and why the gospel is really good news. So today, we're looking at the theology of the Trinity. Theology, if you don't know what that word means, it simply means the study of God. It's a big topic. But what about God? Well, today we're talking about the Trinity, how God is triune. And so, with the help of some notes, we're going to learn a little bit today about what the Trinity is. Now, this is, and two weeks from now, I'm going to have a really fun one. It's called heterodoxy. Who here knows what heterodoxy is? The peep, Yep, we got one. What's heterodoxy? Oh, interesting. Uh, orthodoxy is, is like right doctrine. Heterodoxy is doctrine that's not quite right. And one of the biggest things that turns into heterodoxy and heresy in the church out 2,000 years of history is people get the Trinity wrong. People get the Trinity wrong and they start getting all mixed up. Like, oh, well, the Trinity is like ice because, you know, water comes in three forms and, you know, it changes between the three. Nah, that's modalism. That's modalism, Patrick. Modalism. Uh, Google Lutheran satire modalism, and you'll know what that joke is. Uh, and you should, it's funny. But we believe that God is triune, but we also believe that God is one. One. Wait a minute, that doesn't make a dang bit of sense. Right? We believe that God is, is one. That, that there's one God. We are a monotheistic religion. We don't believe in lots of gods. We believe in one. And we also, about that God, we believe that, by the way, that God created all things. So this God, he's one, he is the creator. He made it. He made it all out of nothing. There was nothing, and then there was stuff because of God. God is uncreated, which, if you understand that, you can write a book about it, because I don't always get it. Got a little human pea brain here, and I'm like, wait, God's uncreated. God, uh, uh, you could blow a blood vessel. 
God created all things out of nothing. and God himself is uncreated. We see this in Genesis 1, 1 through 2. Now, I have, I have quite a bit of scripture packed into this, and you can find it on your notes at elementlife.com. I don't have all of it that I want because you all wanted to go home someday. Uh, but Genesis 1, 1, 2 talks about the beginning of everything. It says, hey, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering above the waters. Genesis declares in the very beginning of Scripture that God says, I did this. It's mine. I created it. The uncreated God acts in creation because he has a plan and a purpose for his creation. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he knew you. Isn't that weird? God creates, and he knows you right now when he created the earth. So God is one. But God is also three. Here's where we start to get to have fun. God is three. Three hypostases equal in many ways. Say hypostasis. Well, you're learning theology words. Was there not a slide for that, Trevor? Oh, thank you. A hypostasis, an underlying reality or substance as opposed to attributes or to that which lacks substance. You got it? There are three hypostases. So three. Well, I missed an R in there. I can't. We're going to learn how badly I can spell here. H-Y-P-O-S-T-A-S-I-S. So three that are all equal in deity, honor, power, and eternality. Oh, I can't spell that. A-L-I-T-Y. So we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are all completely equal in their deity. They're all completely equal in being God. They're all completely equal in the honor that they deserve because they are our, our, our God. They're equal in power. So they have all power. They're also equal in their eternality. They are all uncreated and eternal. Now here's, here's where it really gets fun. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All three persons of the Godhead share everything that makes them God with the other two. So they share these things. But they share nothing of what it means to be a person with the other two. That means that nothing, there's nothing that two of them share without the third also sharing it. And we'll get into this. Some of you are like, what? What? Don't worry. We'll get there. So we have the eternal source of God, the Godhead, which is the Father from whom the Son is begotten and the Holy Spirit proceeds. What? Right? Let's, let's read a little bit of Scripture here. So it talks about Jesus in John 
And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. See also a bunch of other scriptures I'm not going to read today. Jesus is, is the begotten of the Father. There's other ways to translate that, but I think this is the easiest one to explain it as. That that's one thing that, that it is only Jesus. He is the only one who was begotten of the Father. And then later on we see John 15, 26, talk, talk about the Holy Spirit, but when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. The Holy Spirit proceeds. And some of you already, your brains are about to pop. Because mine too. Like, whenever we talk about this, it kills me. So let's, let's break this down a little bit. Because God is essence and energies. Father, Son, and I wrote that too big, so down here is the Spirit. God in his essence is unknown. In his energies, he is known. In his essence, God is transcendent, which means he's like way above what we can comprehend. And he is unknowable. Transcendent, he's unknowable. Well, that doesn't sound like what we think about when we think of God, right? Sounds a little different. But we have some verses, and we have parts of the Bible that we have to we have to take the whole Bible into account when we think about it. Exodus 33, 18 through 20, this dude named Moses is getting all the laws up on Mount Sinai. And Moses says to God, now show me your glory. And the Lord says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But you cannot see my face for no one can see me and live. Well, there you go. 1 John 4.12, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So we have to compare these kind of scriptures with other ones, like 2 Peter 1.4. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promise so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by the evil desires. Or when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So Jesus says, blessed are the pure at heart, they will see God. But God said, in another part, you cannot see my face and live. God is essence and energies. God is known and unknown. God's energies are also easily referred to with another much simpler word. Grace. God's energies are grace. How he interacts with humankind, how he is knowable, is through his grace. And so we have the Father, who is the source of all things. He acts as the source. The way God is known as the Father is in his creative power. Then we have the Son, who is, what we say, a fun word, begotten. Born. We have the Spirit who proceeds 
from the Father and indwells us. And I could go into this in a super amount of detail, but I can't because I don't have time, and you're already like, oh, get to the point. And, but every one of these grace things, these energies of God, each one of them is unique to that part of the Godhead. So let me, let me just kind of, here's my favorite, my favorite Christian saying. When we, when we, we want to follow Jesus, we want to believe in Jesus, we want to make Jesus Lord, God, he wants to, we want to be saved, that kind of language. We're about asking Jesus into our heart. Jesus has a physical body. He does not fit there. Jesus still has a physical body. He rose from the dead into a physical body and ascended physically to the Father. Jesus still has a body. He is not living in your heart. The Spirit indwells. That energy, that grace of God, that empowering for us to do the mission of Jesus is the Holy Spirit living in us. Theology matters. Jesus is also, as we talk about three hypostasises, Jesus is also hypostatic. Are you hypostatic? You know that? He's the only one whose essence and energies are both human and divine. It's called a hypostatic union, when God became man and dwelt among us. That's your th another theology word for you, a hypostatic union. The part of God, the Son, the energies of God, somehow merged and became human. He's human and divine. Now this starts to make a little more sense. Come on. We start talking about us a little bit. Now there's some differences, but we are, instead of uncreated, we are created. If you think you're uncreated, we'll talk about that later. You have a theology issue. But Genesis teaches us something very special. We are created. We are created in the image of a triune God. So one of the reasons why understanding the Trinity is important, why this little bit of theology is important, is because that same God who created you made you in his image. Genesis 1.27 says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. So it's double emphasized there. Male and female, he created them. And just as God is essence and energies, there's an unknowable part and a knowable part. You, if you're hanging out in my church today, you are also essence and energies. You have an unknown part and you have a known part. It's easy to think about our known part, right? So we have a body. That's an energy, and that is our physical 
our physicality. But you also have a soul, which is your expressed intellect and emotions. Because I think you do. Do you? Do you have emotions? Do they express themselves in ways? Y'all have a body in here? Okay. Just checking. You also have an essence, a spirit, which is not visible. Can you hold your spirit? Under this thinking body thing. I don't know. Or it's under, over it? I don't know. You are essence and energies. And the amazing thing is because we're made in the image of, triune, of a triune God, even though we make mistakes, who's made a mistake? Even though we've sinned, even though we've fallen short, the Bible teaches us, this is another theological idea, the wages of sin are death. So when, when we sin, when we make mistakes, we, we act against God or God's ways for us, we, we inflict death upon ourselves. And it's, it's something that we have no way to fix. But because of Jesus, both our essence and our, in, our, essence and our energies are actively transformed by grace. So that we can know God. We, we can, so we can know the triune God when Jesus dies on the cross for us and we believe that the grace of God, the energies of God, completely transform both our essence and our energies. Our spirit, our soul, and our body is changed so that we can be more like Jesus. And so that when God looks down on us, the triune God looks at us, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see you. He doesn't see your brokenness. He doesn't see your shame. He doesn't see your mistakes. The uncreated God who created you looks down and sees Jesus. At your very spirit, he sees Jesus. In your soul, in the way you express yourself, he sees Jesus. In your body, physicality, he sees Jesus. It's, all, it's an, all, a, a total thing. That's why the Bible talks about us being, being transformed in the divine nature. Because we're, we're transformed to be more and more like Jesus. And my challenge to you today in considering that God is triune, considering God is essence and energies, that there's part of God that is so unknowable and so big and so transcendent, we can never understand it. But there's also the active energies of God, the grace of God that we get to witness every single day is to reframe one of the questions that we often view our life. So often we ask the question, what is God? We're thinking about the Trinity. You know, we, again, a lot of this philosophical stuff we're talking about today, you know, a lot of theologians have gone through a lot of effort to try to, think, to understand how this works. And even the best of them would say, we might not have this all together because God's bigger than us. He's unknowable. But this is how we, how, how we can see how he's expressed himself to us. What is God is the wrong question to ask when considering the Trinity. Because the what of God is his essence, and it is unknowable, and you will never truly understand it. 
in this life. Maybe in the next one we will. I don't know. The real question is, who is God? What is God? We can go back and forth with that for a long time. But who is God? We see exactly who God is through his expressed grace to us every single day. That's the right question to ask because that's the way that God has chosen to interact with us. He's chosen to interact with us by revealing himself to us, even to the point where God revealed himself to us as Jesus, becoming one of us. What is God? You're wasting your time. Who is God? That's a great question because he is revealing himself to us through his grace all the time. Let's go back. who God is. Our question is that, is it's who is he? Well, how is this grace interacting with us? How does this grace change us? And we have to realize that ultimately, why do we ask who God is instead of asking what God is? It's because the gospel and mission of Jesus are centered on the expressed energies, the grace of God. So the gospel, the good news, that we can have right relationship with God, that we can be saved, that we can have eternal life, the mission of Jesus, that we're called to be his hands and feet in a broken world, and we're to make the kingdom of God in whatever way we can come into this place, is all centered on who God is, that the Father created us, that the Son saved us, and that the Spirit empowers us. That is the gospel and mission of Jesus. Who God is should center who we are and what we do in every single day of our life. Because grace is the expressed reality of God, and we know people who desperately need grace in their lives. We know people who desperately need hope. We know people who desperately need to know that they're loved. And that's how God has chosen to express himself to us in his energies is his grace and love. That's why the Trinity is important. Pray with me.